Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. All right, welcome everybody to True Wealth Investors Podcast. I am joined today uh, by Chris Mayfield, my co-host, and Matt Blagg out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Yeah. And... Welcome, guys. Glad to have you. Always glad to be here. Good. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here, too. Yeah. So, Matt, we I met you. It was about a year ago at a kind of a high level mastermind event where uh, we were talking through big ideas and um, got to know each other there. And so it's great to reconnect. But for for people who don't know you, kind of your background a little bit, you're a professional musician, um, worship leader at a church, been a long time real estate investor or flipper, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, so really, how did you, how did you get started? What was the, you were doing very well and you're very successful in, in music and worship and ministry. How did you initiate starting uh, working into real estate? I traveled for almost 20 years just playing music and I was able to support my family doing that, which is really unusual and it was almost a miracle. Yeah, I worked hard. You know, we're very blessed to do that. and, And I've had some great opportunities along the way. You know, I've made I think six, yeah, six CDs of my own and just the, just my own independent label. And we, we probably sold about a hundred thousand records, which not, not big by Beyonce standards, but for a small independent artist is not too bad, not too shabby. And was able to do that until about 2007. And it was just, you know, I felt like it was time for me to come off the road, kind of come up for air and do something different. And in between being on the road and then coming on staff as a, as a worship leader at a church at my church that I'm currently at, there was a couple of years there that was kind of a limbo. And that's when I jumped into real estate investing a couple, it was a culmination of a couple of things. And and I'm finding this is a common, when you go to like a, a real estate investor thing or a mastermind or a conference, and you ask people how they got started in this thing, they usually say, well, someone gave me this book called mm-hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Yep. Not yep. all, you know, but the, I say a high percentage of people got started. And I think it was the year 2000, my father-in-law gave me this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a right-brained artist. I'm a songwriter, singer-songwriter. And, and I thought, you know, rich people were all evil and money was a necessary evil. I couldn't tell you what a, a mutual fund was. I couldn't tell you what a 401k, I couldn't, I didn't even know a self-directed IRA. I couldn't tell you what an IRA was, which was my own ignorance. I know that now. So that started me on this <clears throat> process, this, this learning and growing. And my, my, I went to a, what was it called? A get motivated seminar in 2006. It was great. Um, Zig Ziglar actually spoke and it was not long before he passed wow. away. So I got to see Zig Ziglar, um, several other high level people spoke at this. 
and they sold this little $99 three-day real estate boot camp. You go for three days and learn real estate investing. And, and I went and I heard that you can, you can like assign a contract. I'm like, you, what? You can do that. And went to this boot camp, learned, of course, it was a, they want to upsell you to their $25,000, you know, week long thing in the, in the Caribbean. But I happened to be sitting next to this guy who was a, a, a local police officer, but he was a real estate investor. And he said, this is, this is BS. You don't need this. Just come to the, come to the local RIA club. And, and that was a, I was just in the right place at the right time sitting next to this guy. And it was, is a providence, you know, cause the next week I'm at the local real estate investor club. And I would say to any aspiring investors, find something like that. If it's a wholesale breakfast or mastermind online, like what, what Chad and, and Chris, you guys do, because trying to be a lone ranger doesn't work. And there's so much wealth of information, networking, help, encouragement, accountability. And I found that I started going and I flipped my first house in 2007. It was literally five houses down from my own house. And that was kind of the start of it for me. My dad was a contractor, so I kind of had a little bit of a construction background and knowing about, so I wasn't scared to jump into it. And that has led to what I'm doing now. It's kind of, you know, taking different courses along the way. And there's been times, there's been years where I didn't do a one single deal because I'm working at my church and I just got here. Mm. I came on staff at my current church in, the, in January of 2009. So it's been 12 years now. But I kept going. I just kept going like what it says behind Chris's head there. I kept going to the meetings, whether I was doing a deal or not. I kept my foot dipped in that that pool because I knew that someday, somehow, this is going to pay off. And it's just accumulated knowledge, accumulated experience, accumulated relationships has, has paid off. And I'm still learning and growing. There's a ton I don't know. That's the thing. I think it's in, intimidating because once you jump in and you start learning, you realize how much you don't know. And yeah. that can be intimidating and make you want to quit. But if you don't. And so, quit, Matt, so, so you're telling me in 2007, you heard about assigning a contract. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then you did your first wholesale deal when? Last year. 2020. Yeah. Well, I, it, it, it illustrates a beautiful point that I always know, regardless of how aggressive or, or if I even chose to pause, real estate is one of those things that it's always there. Yeah. There's always going to be a good time to, to buy or to market yeah. or to network. Mm-hmm. And there's always a deal if I choose to, to re-engage. And of course, you stayed in by going to local RIAs and meeting with other people. Yeah. Um, but it just illustrates that the opportunity is there. You heard about it 2013, did some other real estate, then mm-hmm. came back and said, you know what, I'm going to get a little bit more aggressive on actually assigning a contract. So I always want people to hear that, that yeah. there, you just, it was just when you chose to engage. Well, and what was the market like in 2007 where you were at? <clears throat> It's funny that you said that, Chad, because I was just thinking I was going to tell people I I had no clue there was such a thing as market cycles Mm. in 2007. I just thought, hey, I think I can flip this house. Well, 2007 was here. 
And then we all know what happened right after that. 2008, I was deeply involved in real estate. What did it do? We all know what happened in 2008. Not a good time to be flipping, but it just goes to show you may not, there's, there's really not very many fatal mistakes in this. The only really fatal mistake is that you wait to get started. So even being ignorant of market cycles and trying to flip in a, in a climate that wasn't conducive to that, I still did okay. And, and you could have been assigned and you could have assigned, you would have been assigning to a tons of hedge funds in 2008, or you would have been buying because you would have been buying 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah. We all think if I knew then what I know now, that would have been nice, but I know now what I know now. And I'm no, it just shows that even in a bad time, there could have been huge activity in real estate. Mm-hmm. Whether it's exactly. good, it's a seller's market or it's a buyer's market, there's a place for investors always to be active. And you know what else it's done? You, you said, you, you mentioned this, Chris, that it's, real estate's always been there. It's like a constant. And I would, what it's done for me is there are times, like in my job, I love my job. I get to play music and, and I'm a worship leader at a church. I get to help people. I feel like everything I do has some kind of significance. And I also still play gigs. You know, I've had a wedding band and I'm like Adam Sandler, the wedding singer. And I've done that thing. And, and I've gotten back to just doing my own original music. And I've gotten to play for people like the Temptations, the Drifters, the Four Tops, Aretha Franklin along the way. It's been great that I've had that. But real estate has been kind of, like you said, it's been a, a, it's become a constant companion that's been there. Even though I'm not actively doing deals in a year, I know it's there and it's given me, it's given me an option. You know, sometimes when you have options, that gives you hope. I mean, I'm sure some of the people listening today have a job that they don't like or a job that they hate and they feel trapped. And when you feel like you don't have any options, you feel like you don't have hope and real estate having that there and keep and learn, it, it gives you hope because you know that it may not be this year. It may not be next year, but someday I keep learning. I work this and I keep going someday it's going to pay off and I'm going to have that freedom. and I'm going to have those options that I want. Well, and that's kind of the perfect thing to lead into segue what we're talking about. A lot of times Chad or I, or both of us are talking to people who are full-time in real estate investing, but you're not, and yet some would say you are. And so I think it would be great to dovetail into that. You're a full-time pastor, but you're actively not, not, you know, on the back, you're actively doing real estate. So what are you doing currently right now that would be active real estate that some people would say, how could you have a full-time job and do that? Yeah. When I first started out, it was all flipping. And any wholesaling I did was kind of accidental (laughs) in that I got a great deal on a house. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. It was a great deal. And I happened to find a a sign in the, in the basement that said for sale by owner. And I thought, well, I'll just put tape over that number, stick it in the front yard. And I happened to sell it. And I guess you could call that a wholesale deal. Yeah. I even, um, one time I, I bought a house from a house mover and had this house moved to another lot about 30 miles away <laughs> and and they they picked this house up and moved it you know they sawed the garage off and moved it and we had to put it all back together um it was about i think 2015 when i decided to start getting into buy and hold i was a, i was scared of that because 
I guess being a musician and a, a gypsy by nature, I would think, oh man, I don't want to be off in Wyoming somewhere. And I get a call in the middle of the night that the, the hot water tank blew up or something, or I don't want to show up and, you know, all the nasty things that we hear horror stories that tenants can do to houses. And it just scared me until I learned once again, learning how to do it correctly. And I, I read Mike Barber's book, Landlording on Autopilot. Any aspiring <clears throat> landlords, any people wanting to get into buy and hold should definitely read that book. It was a valuable resource. And I learned that just by my nature and by my schedule, I need to have a property manager, one that I can trust. And I've learned, rather than doing it myself, I've learned how to interview potential property managers, what to look for, what questions to ask them, and how to keep track and make sure that they're doing a good job for me. That's been very beneficial to me. So in the last, since 2015, I've gotten into buying rentals, mainly single families. I just, uh, um, last year, Chris, you were asking really what, what's changed for me. I've never, I had never actively wholesaled until last year. I've bought several houses from wholesalers and I know how they do it. But last year, Chris, you helped me pull back the veil on all the, what's the secret sauce? How do these, what are the tools that wholesalers use? A year ago this time, I'd never even heard of PropStream. I didn't know what PropStream was. And <coughs> yeah, I didn't, I'd never heard about Mojo Dialer or Call Rail or anything like that. So learning these tools and how they all fit together, I did my first direct mail campaign around this time a year ago. And my first campaign I sent out actually signed a deal and I know Chris, you and I talked about this deal because you were coaching me, but that deal, it took from March till November for that deal to close. And since then I've, I've realized once again, the same reason I hire a property manager is I don't have the time and I really don't want to spend my time making 500 call, cold calls a day. I've done that in the past being that I booked myself when I traveled. Mm. So I know how to do that and that's valuable. So I know I have phone skills and I have sales skills. So it's been good for me to, to I have a VA, a virtual assistant, and she's a rock star. Her only limitation is me, <laughs> that, I'm, that I don't explain to her what I want or I don't um, train her or give her the coaching that, that she needs to be successful. And I don't make a clear, here's what I want you to accomplish. I'm getting better at that. And I've learned how, what I've learned is that anytime that she has a problem or a question, I need to make myself go to Screencast-O-Matic. Here's what I do. Her name is Sheka. I say, Sheka, here's what I need you to do. And I send that to her. Now I'm keeping an archive of that because that is my systems for my business and my processes. And Literally, I'm a, I'm a right brain artist. I suck at systems and processes. It's all, you know, left to my own devices. It's all just, you know, <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants. But I, I know that I'm not going to be, I can't keep this business going and, and run things that way. So she is, um, at first I had her just, you know, setting up appointments for me. And at first it was just like, you find somebody willing to sell their, their house and I'll talk to them. Well, I started getting this barrage of people that they just bought their house last year and, and they owe as much as it's worth. And it's not even 
worth really doing a subject two deal on. There's just no equity there. So I've told her since I've walked her through how I come up with comps, how I run comps. And I say, I want you to start making offers. And I don't want you to be afraid if you feel like you make the wrong offer because it's not going to be a fatal mistake. We can adjust the price. I can tell them, well, I went and looked at the house and you didn't tell me there's a, a hole in the floor. You didn't tell me the roof is falling in. So we're going to, I say, we can adjust the price. We have inspection period. The financing fell through. It's not, not the end of the world if you don't. So she's learning how to vet the sellers better so that when I get a lead and I, I had to tell her, I know you have pressure feeling like if you don't get this many appointments, you're going to lose your job. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't. I just have to reassure her you're doing what I want you to do. I would rather go two weeks and then get a really good lead than have a bunch of leads that I'm calling. Let, let's stop real quick. So you've got this lady calling leads. How do you get the leads? Real quickly, how do you get your leads? I What I've learned is uh, I go to, I use listability. And um, kind of a hack is you can sign up for the $89 a month, three cent leads get as many three cent leads as you want. Then I might cancel my subscription. So listability, if you're listening, please don't take that away. I, I'm thing. That's what I've done. And then I, I um, send those to batch skip trace and batch. I want to give a shout out to them. The other day I, I screwed up the fields when I was skip tracing my, my list from listability. I pull it into to batch and skip trace it. I messed up the leads. So what I got back was messed up. And I told them what I, you know, here's what I've done problem. And as a courtesy, they, they re-skipped it for me at no charge. Saved me, you know, 600 bucks. Cause it was a pretty big list of several thousand. So I do that. And then Chris, you turned me onto this, this uh, software called freedom soft. And for me personally, freedom soft is the bomb. It's the, it's as close to it literally could be a one-stop shop if you wanted it to. <clears throat> FreedomSoft, you can find leads, you can get your list, you can skip trace within that, you can do electronic signatures, generate documents, contracts. It's a CRM, it's the phone system, and, and it's also a Rolodex, a virtual Rolodex of whatever you wanna find. Um, it does comps, you can pull comps in there because it's powered by, I think, E, um, E, e Zillow and then some, something else. So um, having PropStream gives me a little extra information that comes in handy. But if I were just to use one tool, that would be it. So I can add people to my team from within FreedomSoft. And their training, I mean, when I they have a free, um, just they've started this recently, a free onboarding coaching. So when I bring someone else on my team, I sign them up and they watch this. So um, anyway, that's that's what we've been doing. And I have a, a guy, another guy, a local guy. He's an entrepreneur, been very successful developing apps, but he's also a real estate guy. He, he worked for um, another wholesaler for about a year. And I just approached him. He's, he's a friend of mine and a friend of my son's. And he's, he's, he bought, he recently bought a, like a seven plex he's been working on trying to get that. But I said, Hey, I need some help. Cause I'm running out of time. I'm getting more leads than I have time to follow up on. 
And that's, that's a frustrating feeling because you have these leads and you're like, I'm just leaving money on the table and I'm wasting money because I spent money for these leads. And just the fact that I'm letting things fall through the cracks. So I think part of is learning your own limitations and learning how to fill in those gaps. And I've had to learn that. I've realized, okay, just due to my schedule, and, you know, in, in an ideal world, we think, oh, I could block out two hours a day and make calls. Well, things happen. And sometimes I can't block that time out or I'm playing catch up from something else, you know, or my daughter has a flat tire and I have to drop everything right then and go. Well, there, that two hours is shot for the day. But I could say, hey, Drew, I need you to, I need you to follow up on these leads. So I'm learning how to do that. And I think that's been very beneficial for me because like we, we discussed earlier, I work at a church and I also play gigs. That's my main thing. And learning how to let go or, or having people fill in the gaps lets me be more consistent with my time and, and that's paid off. So I hope I, I hope I answered your question. Like, how do yeah. I do this? Where do I get where do I get my leads from? So I, a couple quick questions: Is your is your farm that you're look that you're marketing to? Is it local or or where is it? It's local. Okay, it's local. Yeah. And um, your VA is she local or totally virtual? She's totally virtual. Okay. Yeah. She's in the Philippines, but she's got a, a good. Um, she speaks really good English, and she kind of sounds like a, a valley girl from California. <laughs> I've actually I've actually listened to some of her recordings when he was getting her, and she's really good. She is. So how did you find her? I have um, one of my wholesale, like a mentor, local mentor. There's a lady in the Philippines, and she's kind of a headhunter for VAs. Hmm. And... I'd be glad to share that resource with anybody that, that if that helps. But you you pay her a hundred dollars, and she vets them and helps onboard them, and that's how I found her. And you, I did kind of a, a Zoom interview, like with the three of us, with the, the the VA, the headhunter, and myself, and just talk through. And and you're not really concerned about how they they appear on screen. You're concerned about how they they're going to be on the phone and their experience and their work ethic. And it's, it's the graveyard shift for them in the Philippines, but that's what she's used to. And, um, and so I like you, that. It's, I'm interested in just how that process works. So do you pay the headhunter? Do you pay your VA directly? Pay okay. directly. Yeah. And is it yeah. by the hour, by the week, by the hour? By the hour. Yeah. And I have her for a 40 hour week. So she's calling and she gives me a SOD and an EOD start of day and end of day report. And she'll say, you know, good morning, Matt. It's an email. I'm, here's, here's my plans for the day. Let me know if you need anything different. And so I communicate with her via email and also via um, um, Voxer. We use Voxer. Some people use Slack but I, I'm just used to Voxer. So for and, the skeptics out there, 
what makes you decide to keep her, right? She could she could fake a start of day and an end of day. What mm-hmm. is your barometer that says, this isn't going to work. I need to move on to the next person. There's a couple of things in the end of day report. That's another thing FreedomSoft does. It, it, from the phone calls she's made, I can see how many phone calls she's made. I can see how long she's actually been on the phone. Because as you know, you, you make 100 dials, you might talk to actually talk to five people. I don't know what the ratio is. You probably know that better than I do, Chris, but it lets me see how many calls she's made. And then also FreedomSoft has a notifications section. It's basically all the callbacks, the text backs, or um, if you send an SMS, that's where you, that's all the replies that you get back, the voicemails that people have left. I can look through that and see like what campaign it is. We have different campaigns going, you name a campaign. Here's all the phone calls we got back from that campaign. So based on that, you can gauge her calls and you're paying her, what are you paying her an hour? I pay her six an hour, six dollars an hour. Yeah, you're gonna pay anywhere from four to eight an hour, you're paying her six. So uh, is there any kind of business goals that you have as far as, hey, she's making calls, but I'm not, how how many leads do you want her to provide per day? I probably should do that, but I haven't because I was doing that. She felt pressured. She had to bring a, now a lead was an appointment, not just a lead. Here's somebody, it was like, when can he call you? When can my, my partner, she calls me, you know, I, I say, we call each other our partners. So she could say, my partner, Matt, will call you tomorrow at 2 PM central standard time. And then I call. But like I said earlier, I think she was feeling pressured to just provide an appointment. Rather than do that, I would say I'd rather have fewer leads, but higher quality, further vetted, because it's going to be a better use of my time. So you are actually taking her a step further. You're not just using her as a cold caller. You're telling her to engage more into that conversation, even to the point where she might float kind of a number to test to see if this person truly is motivated. Exactly. Exactly. That's and awesome. she, she was excited about that. Cause she's like, I never, she had, she's got a, um, a good um, work history. She's worked for a realtor and an investor before. And, and I, I ask her, I, I say, cause I've never really had a VA like that before where I would say, what, what, what's your opinion on this? Do you have any suggestions? And we've even recently, She's, she sends out a lot of SMS. Uh, you can do that within FreedomSoft as well. I mean, it's, you know, obviously it costs per, per message, but that's yielded some good results. That was her, because at first I was thinking, you know, SMS is kind of phasing out. A year or two ago, it was all the rage. Now it's kind of been, we had good results, but just in the last month, it seems like it's no response from that. It's been weird. So we're, I ask her, her opinion. I don't just, um, I don't just dictate to her. Here's what I want you to do because we shouldn't assume that we know more than everybody else. And that's another thing, Chris, I know you and you and I have led teams before and the way you get buy-in with teams is you let them people support that, which they help create. So I want her to have, feel like her opinion is valued and anybody that that's, and Chad, I'm sure you do this with your assistant too. You don't just dictate to her, do this, do this. You might right. say, what do you think about this? Do you have any suggestions how this could be better? Or if they have, if they see a problem, 
I want you to bring it to my attention and how, how can we fix this? And any team you leave, whether it's a virtual assistant or local team or people that actually come to your office and work every day, if you want buy-in for people to own it, let them help create it. Let them know that their their opinion matters and is valued or you at least listen to it. And I 100% agree with this whole COVID pandemic and eating out and getting to go orders. Uh, it always comes up that when they make a $5, $10 mistake and they've not empowered that employee to go ahead and make that right, but they got to put you on hold or go back inside and correct it, it tells me their leadership. Yep. They're not empowering these people. We're talking about a five dollar mistake, mm-hmm. and you're going to make what fifteen, twenty thousand dollars today. Yeah. And yet this employee can't say, you know what? Let me throw that in for free. Yeah. Uh, you know. But when you do empower somebody and say, I, I respect your opinion. I want you to be a part of my team. You know. Mm-hmm. I think it is an honest thing to call yourself partners because she will no longer be your partner if you're not making money in this real estate yeah. business because there won't be a salary. For, for her to have. So let's let, let's turn the page real quick. You're a normal guy working a full-time job doing a wholesale business. Tell us about this deal. Let's get into the, if you don't mind, the juiciness of this $50,000 wholesale deal. We'll yeah. talk about what a wholesale is yeah. and just kind of give us kind of the highlights of how the deal came about. So so first, tell everybody what what's a wholesale as opposed to a wholesale deal? A wholesale deal is halfway between a, a wholesale deal and a flip. Meaning I, I, a whole wholesale, it means I never actually buy the house myself. I just get it under contract and assign that contract to an end buyer and I'm the middleman and I get paid for that, putting that deal together. Wholesale deal means I actually go ahead and buy the house and I do little, if anything to it and go ahead and list it retail. On the MLS. Because you're going for maximum profit. You see that, yeah. hey, I could actually make more mm-hmm. if I take it down and just kind of bring in somebody professionally and clean it for a couple hundred bucks, or maybe yeah. I spend three or four thousand dollars as opposed to 20, 25, but yeah. then I'm going to list it and I'm going to try to get maximum offers and maximum profit. Exactly. And that's hard for me because I'm a the type, you know, the artistic part of me. I can't just fix something halfway. I like to fix something correctly. I like it done right. So you hear the the phrase, put lipstick on a pig. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to do that. (laughs) Like I can't just slap lipstick on a pig. So I have to be careful about the wholesale deals. I'm getting better at it, realizing that, you know, refinishing the floors is really not going to add anything to the value of this house. It might make you feel better about yourself when you walk away from it, but is it really going to affect the bottom line? Is that the best use of your time, your resources? Well, and here's the deal on a hotel deal. You're not going to live there. Right. And no. and let's say that you were, or, or let's say that you do decide to spend five grand yeah. and put it high in vinyl or the, yeah. the, the tile that looks like wood. Right. Mm-hmm. I got yeah. a house down the street. I'm going to, Four hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollar neighborhood. These people just paid top dollar, four eighty nine for a one story smaller than me, and mm-hmm. they gutted the place. It was beautiful to begin with. Mm-hmm. And wow. the lady's response to my wife yesterday on a walk was, "Oh, this house needs to be completely redone." Mm-hmm. Her opinion. So yeah. you can go spend five thousand on that hotel for that floor, and guess what? Yeah. You buy it, and the next day they come and rip it all out. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I'm not emotional about making profit. <laughs> that's that's good. I have to I have to remove myself from that as well because I'm I'm very 
idealistic person in a perfect world. Here, in my mind, this is what it should be like. And if it's not that, so, so tell us this. Down. How did you find? How did you find the deal? I'm going to be quick on these questions, kind of rapid yeah. fire. How did you find this specific deal? This deal was um, a company called Need to Sell My House which the guy basically does Google ads. Yep. And then he sells those ads, and you bid for it, and you get to be the high bidder, and they're pricey. But I've spent a, a butt ton of money on them, but I've made a butt ton of money off of them. So they're very effective because you get this person who's already motivated and they've essentially reached out to you. They don't know it's you, but they just know I filled out this form on Google and this guy calls me. And one thing I've learned is you have to jump on those immediately. You can't let that sit on the shelf for any time at all, or it's going to go away fast. They're going to talk to someone else. They're going to fill out some other form on Google yep. and I've wasted my money. So this, this wholesale deal, this is, I'll give you the quick backstory on it. It was a brand new house and it was the St. Jude's dream home giveaway home. Each year, St. Jude's here in Oklahoma City, I'm sure they do in every market, but they they build a brand new house and people buy tickets, raffle tickets, and then one person wins that. You know, $100 ticket gets you a, you know, almost a $400,000 house. And the guy that, that won the house was this, uh, He's 75 year old, you know, Air Force veteran. He won the house. He didn't want the house. He just wanted to cash out. But the problem was for, for, for St. Jude's to, um, you know, free up the house where he could do something with it, he had to pay the taxes. So mm. this house, uh, I think the, the appraisal on this house was 380 in taxes was amounted to around 90 grand. Well, this gentleman didn't have 90 grand and it, he had 90 days to be able to do this deal. So I was able real to- Real quick, start, real quick. Yeah. It's already sounding good. Mm -hmm. He went on a Google ad and filled it out and said, I need to sell this house fast or something? Yes. yes. Okay. And that, so and your, your person called him and next thing you know, you're in a conversation trying to solve his problem. Exactly. And it took, I, it took some knowing, you know, like human nature, this is the kind of person I'm dealing with. And he lives in, a, he lives in Shawnee. So um, that's a 45 minutes, close to an hour away from where I live, but I made several trips there so he could see someone in person and he wanted to sign a contract in person. He did not want to do a electronic contract. So I'm like, well, it's worth a two hours driving to me to make this deal happen. So in, in story, he, he'd had a couple of other people that were interested and said they wanted it. And then they, they fell through. So the clock is ticking. You know, if he goes 90 days, he loses the whole deal. So I was able to, I said, I will front the money to pay the taxes through my line of credit that I have. And that, that went into escrow at the title company. So I'm not worried about that. I definitely did all my due diligence with St. Jude's, the title company. The title company was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is a two hour drive from where I live. So I, rather than, you know, I try to solve his problem. One is I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you, you know, be able to cash out because I'll front the money. Two is I'll come pick you up and drive you to Tulsa and drop you back off. So we close. So I ended up, I bought the house. I had to actually buy the house. And immediately the same day I bought the house, I had my realtor, go in and get pictures and, and it's li literally listed on the MLS 
that same day that I I bought it and closed on it. So you came up, you put the ninety thousand dollars into escrow, showing mm-hmm. that you're paying the taxes, mm-hmm. and then you agreed to buy the house from him and close yes. it. How much? I the the price we agreed on was what was it? Two two eighty five. And did you bring ninety and two hundred eighty five thousand? Yes. You brought all of it. Mm-hmm. So where did you come up with? I mean, I'm just trying to help people understand. Where did you come up with all that money? Three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. I have basically a working line of credit, which is kind of like a commercial loan, but it's a commercial line of credit that I keep open. And each year, I when when my bank and it's it's secured on equity that I have in my rent houses. Okay. So money when I flip a house, if I make a you know I'll go get a rent house, buy it, rehab it, refi it and that equity and um, doing that over several years, there's a couple that I own free and clear. And I'm, I'm keeping that line of credit. I'm keep bumping it up, bumping it up, bumping it up. And um, I'm I'm bring $375,000 to the table for a brand new house that a gentleman can't afford. No, actually the the total purchase price was 285. That's right. It wasn't 385. I'm sorry. You bought it for less than that. Yeah. So he's paid, he's happy. He's, yeah. Now you yeah. have this burden of a brand new house that you really don't want. It yeah. probably wouldn't even make sense at that point to rent it. I don't know if your return would be that great. But yeah. then you, the same day, have an agent go over and take pictures and say, hey, let's list this thing. And say, get it sold because I'm paying interest, buddy. And um, yeah, my, my line of credit's interest only, but it's, it's uh, and I think it's, I got in at a good time. I refied at a good time last year. I think it's five and a quarter. So how that. many days did it take to sell that house? Mm, I want to say 20. Okay. It was on the market 20 days, 15 or 20 days. And then we got a full price offer. Um, we had to fix several things. I guess the builder, since it was a giveaway home, they didn't do a punch out on it. Wow. And it was, it was amazing. I, I would think, you know, you'd want this to be the best thing, but they just didn't just, no punch punch list stuff and stuff. I don't know if they hired the the B team or the C team to go with their subs to go in. And it's a beautiful house. It's a gorgeous house in a great area. And it's in a highly desirable East Edmond. That's like the new center of that world, you know, for everybody. And in a, you know, the the clubhouse, the pool, the splash pad in this neighborhood, walking trails, it's that kind of neighborhood. So yeah, and then um so after paying yourself back the 90 and the, the, the cost of your line of credit to uh, buy the house and your 20 days of uh, uh, interest only, mm-hmm. what was your gross profit? Gross profit would have been right at 50K. 50, probably, probably more like 52K. Uh, one thing is I, I, the gentleman that I bought it from, he decided he wanted the he wanted the fridge and the washer and dryer out of this house. I'm like, okay, well, we wanted to make sure it's written in the contract the right way. And so I wrote that in there. So I'll make sure. And it turned out the, the buyers, the people that bought the house, I, I said, can I, can I leave the washer dryer and fridge there until it sells? Because it looks good. You know, I, and I had the house staged and it was a really pretty house. So once that was over, then I had to, you know, go get the washer and dryer and put it, you know, in my friend's truck and haul it over to him and just make sure you follow through on what you said you would do. And 
he, he was happy. I was happy. He walked away with 190 K in his pocket for a hundred dollar raffle ticket. And how much did that lead cost you? That was an Oklahoma city lead. I think all told probably $350. So that, you know, some people, um, again, we're talking about beginners might say, man, $350 to risk not mm-hmm. even getting the deal. Yeah. yeah, there is a little bit of risk, but $350 isn't mm-hmm. that great of a risk, but you yeah. saw, obviously you knew the neighborhood, you knew the comps. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a matter of creating something that made the seller, because whether you're making 10,000 on an assignment or you know 52,000 gross profit in this, mm-hmm. came down to this gentleman had a problem. And mm-hmm. if you could solve that problem, you could yeah. make some money. Exactly. and. That was, I mean, I, you, that's an unusual deal. You know, um, those I, that just kind of plopped in our lap and I call it the hand of providence, but um, it kind of helped put us in front of the eight ball because last year I didn't do any flips. I was jumping into wholesaling. I'm investing money in wholesaling. I'm paying for a VA. I'm paying for Freedom Soft. I'm praying for PropStream and I'm paying for these Google ad leads. It adds up. And I was like, I need this to pay off. And and plus, I'm a musician. What do you think happened to gigs last year? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. They, they evaporated. You know, I had a handful, but it's nothing I can depend on. So that put us in front of the eight ball. And we've also had, we've been doing, I'm at the point now, like my overhead, I would say I'm spending probably 3500 a month. Depending on, you can set your, with the need to sell my house fast, you can set your monthly budget, raise that, lower that. When you cap it, they stop sending you the, the leads. Or Something uh, I want to point out just real quick, because on the wholesaling, you know, a lot of times wholesaling gets a wrap of you're taking advantage of somebody to get a profit on selling it to an investor. And that's not the case. I mean, I'm sure there are those people out there. There are. In every business, there's buy and hold people. I'm sure Chad mm-hmm. takes advantage. I'm just joking, Chad. <laughs> but I'm saying- I can take it, man. A good wholesaler <clears throat> is someone who's just trying to solve a problem. They're yeah. not, they shouldn't be trying to take advantage of anyone mm-hmm. and will say, well, you know, you're trying to get a better price. Yeah, it's just like when I go to a garage sale. Yeah. If I look at a hat and I want it and they say it's a dollar and I'm like, I'll give you a quarter. And then the negotiation begins and they're more than welcome to pull the the hat or the property away where they can stay in that negotiation. But if I go to buy a car or, I mean, you know, I mean, everything that we're looking at right now is wholesale, jeans, food, (laughs) houses, everything. You go turn on Shark Tank. What's your wholesale price? You know, what's your price to consumer? So, it's not, it doesn't have to be a racket. It can be an opportunity where you're trying to help somebody out of a situation because eight, seven, eight times out of 10, I can't help the person. Yeah. And so I end up just giving them the best advice I can and maybe yeah. connecting them to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I move down the road. So tell yeah. us one more, tell us one more non a regular deal that you've done here in the last 30, 60 days of an assignment. Just, just real briefly, you got, her, your girl, she got something under contract. How did it go? Just kind of a quick version. Well, we have, there was just say, there was this other guy who was a computer IT guy. He tried to start his own business last year. That didn't work. And he got into divorce and he was in this house and the, the, the basement kept taking on water. He'd spent a small fortune trying to do that. Um, 
and he just wanted to move on, get on with his life. And we closed, I think I put that under contract end of no, last November, first part of December. We were hoping to close by the end of the year, but his problem was he had no money. He wanted to move to an apartment. And I just, once again, Chris, you taught me how to do this. Try to solve people's problems, be the solution for them. If you can be the solution for them, you know, you, Zig Ziglar said the best way to get what you want is help other people get what they want. And mm-hmm. he wanted out of there. So I said, well, look, if it does close after the beginning of the year, I will pay what it, he was worried about his utility bills another month. Say, I think we ended up closing maybe January 14th. So I said, whatever, I'll prorate your utility bill for those 14 days. And I did that. I found out what it was and it took a lot of extra effort. I had to follow up on that. But um, that was a, and that was a, um, I have a friend who's a, a contractor turned wholesaler. And I called him about the, the basement. I said, how big of a deal is that really? How big of a problem is this? What's it going to take? And he told me, you know, probably a sump pump or something like that would do. And then he said, hey, I got a buyer if you want to JV this deal. So we joint ventured at 50-50. Yeah, I gave up 50%. But you know what? The same day I had that other contract, I had a buyer. And what that's did you get it under contract for? How much? Yeah, under it contract. was a house. It was it was down by near Bethany, it was, um, hot area of Oklahoma City. I think I got it under contract for eighty. And then 80, you assigned that contract to an end investor with your partner. Yeah, you guys made a gross profit before splitting that. What did you guys make? We split uh, fifteen thousand down the middle. We, we both made seventy five hundred dollars. And the investor was happy because he got his next project. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. These, these people that flip and it's someone he works with and, and I kept it. I didn't try to go around him and and meet with it. I just said, look, because uh, sometimes money and greed does funny things to people. And I've had to learn that the hard way that it's better to, my dad always told me, son, you you never go broke taking a profit. And the fact that I could, I made 15 grand if I disposed it myself. Yeah. But not a guarantee, no telling how long I'd have to put it out there on Facebook and I have to, you know, try to let people in to look at it, spend that time. Whereas I have a sure deal of 7,500 bucks and I can be on to the next deal. Um, we'd all like to say, yeah, well, I'll make at least five grand on a deal or 10 grand. But as you know, sometimes that's not the case. I made 800 on an assignment once, <laughs> 800 <Yeah>. bucks. <laughs> that's what the market that's what, you know, it's what the seller wanted. And I could have dug in and lost the deal and yeah. knew what it was valuable. So it was just, hey, get it under contract, move it on, keep my mm-hmm. buyer happy and not worry about it. It was more than you made if you didn't do the deal, right? Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. And you learn, you know, you start learning, um, meaning that if you're trying to like, if you're trying to start a systems-based business, my son told me this, he said, First, you have to find what works and what doesn't work before you can do systems. It's like, I'm going to start this systems-based business, but I haven't done any deals. No, you got to go do some deals. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm finding what works, what doesn't. And along the way, answering my questions for my VA and people working for me. And before long, we solved all these problems. Here's what works and here's how we did it. I'm hoping that's uh, that's the secret sauce. Um so I got one last question. I know Chad's got a really good one. He usually asks about the future, but um, 
how much time you're in a full-time job, right? And you're in ministry. So it's not necessarily eight to five, nine to five. There are nights that you're at the church at nine, 10 o'clock at night. Not to mention you're trying to have a family. On yeah. average, on average, how much time do you say you're working on your wholesale business? A week. I would I would imagine an hour and a half to two hours a day. Okay. And so that's you're, putting about, you're putting about five days a week, about 10, 10 hours. 10 to 12 hours a week, probably, okay. if you add it all up. So, and that's broken up in little fragments. Right. But, uh, but I think you told me a few days ago when we were talking, I mean, 10, 12 hours, that would be what we would call a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And I think you've made about, I think you said about 75 grand over the last four months. Yeah, uh, November, December, week. February. Yeah, last yeah, four months. A little side hustle. So can you imagine how that would impact a, a family budget to add $75,000 every quarter to your family budget? Yeah, it impacted ours. Like even if, if, if I did nothing else for the rest of the year, look what it's already done. Now, I, I intend to keep it going, but it allows my wife to have the freedom to volunteer instead of teaching, just volunteer. It allows us to do a lot of things. So, cool. yeah, it can it definitely real estate can change your life. It's changed mine. So I know a lot of people from the outside might be thinking, you know, you have a full time job. Your wife has a job. You've got odd hours with ministry. You've got the side hustle going. What's your motivation? What's the the purpose in really doing it all and, and continuing to push forward with each obstacle? So you're asking, what's my why? Yeah, what's your why? Okay. Yeah, very easy. Um, my why is that I'm a singer-songwriter at the core, and the day will come when I want to, you know, one of my kid, my youngest now is a junior in high school, and my older two are, they're finally off of our payroll, and they're, <laughs> they're doing well, and the day will come when I want to start traveling and doing original music again which sometimes doesn't pay doodly squat, but I don't, I want to have passive income to don't have to worry about that. And then also being in ministry for many years. And Chris, I know you can talk about this too. I have been the beneficiary or the recipient of generosity um, of those people that write a big check to say, Hey, we believe in what you're doing here. And quite frankly, I want to be that benefactor. I want to be that one that says, you know, here these inner city kids can't go to camp this year, but I'm going to underwrite that whole thing for them. Here you go. Um, you know, you need $25,000 to finish up the youth building here. Here you go. I want to do that. And my, my wife and I are involved in, in a ministry as far as missions go. And so my wife goes to Africa every other year to Kenya and, uh, Chad, I know you spent time there too, doing stuff yeah. and talked about that. Yeah. So we have a little girl that we sponsor there. My wife goes every other year and, and I want her to be able to do that. And to, um, she's, she's a teacher. So she's got to be teaching no matter what. And I want her to be able to go volunteer like at whiz kids or, or whatever opportunities present themselves. And, um, that's the main, that's the main why I want to leave a legacy, um, to my, to my family. And then, uh, to have the freedom to go do some things I like to do. I've, it's different for me because I've led a pretty charmed life and then I've always pretty much gotten to do what I love to do. And, uh, material things aren't that I, I like experiences more than I like material things. 
and, and adventure and opportunities. And, um, and I'm a pilot, I fly. So <laughs> that's expensive Man. to sort of to feed my flying habit, but uh, I don't really care if I own an airplane or not. I just like to have visitation rights. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. really that, that's my why. That's awesome. So for uh, people, I mean, there's a lot of good information you shared. I'm trying to process a lot of what you've covered. Um, for people who want to kind of keep up with you and uh, see what you're what you're working on, what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Mattblag.com. Two T's, two G's. And I'm all over social media. I, I'm hard to miss. So Facebook, Instagram, I'm not on Twitter, but um, you can and find I have me. one final question. Um, and it's two part. One, just, just real briefly, what's one thing you would tell somebody who's interested in this to do today? Like they're so overwhelmed going, I couldn't do what Chad's doing. I don't have that personality. I don't have that money. I don't have that time. What's one action step that you would tell them to do to get started in real estate? Get a coach. Okay. Find a way to make it happen. Maybe you can't pay $1,500 or $3,000 for a course. I think you should. I think you should find a way to do that. I think you should find a way to come up with that. And so it, it, so there's a cost. So you got some skin in the game because when you have skin in the game, you're going to be more motivated. Mm-hmm. You're going to say, well, crap, I just paid three grand out. That needs to pay off. And, and you do need to be depressed if you don't make it happen. <laughs> you need to be discouraged if you're like, I'm not doing anything. That $3,000, I'm going to waste that. Yes, you are. So get off your butt. Stop watching, you know, Netflix at night and, and go learn something. And Or there is really a wealth, the like overwhelming amount of pl- things on the Internet. Bigger pockets. Join bigger pockets. Get on there and watch. There, it's you don't have to do the paid part. Just go on there and start watching. Yeah. That. Um, and then, secondly, yeah. the second part of that is for the real estate investor, regardless of what arena that are in, buy and hold, fix and flip, wholesaling, that's struggling, that they've had some success, but it just seems to be lagging. What's one word of encouragement that you would give them on why they should keep going? What would you say? That's been me. I, you know, an entrepreneur is, it's kind of a lonely, lonely journey because it, it, there's nothing tangible. It's all up here. It's all in here. And it's, it's, you're chasing a dream. Just, I mean, I did that for years as a musician. I, I had this dream and you keep chasing it. So it's, it's doing, doing the right thing every day. I like the book, The Compound Effect. Uh, no, the, the, the slight edge, the slight edge by Jeff Olson doing the right things every day will yield results, but it's like this for a long, long time. Then all of a sudden you start doing this and it compounds, but know that if you do nothing and you do the wrong things, it's going to go like this and it's going to start going down. So move the needle, do something that moves the needle every day. And it doesn't have to be, if you can't spend hours on it, spend 10 minutes. Yep shut off Netflix, get off of social media and go do something that's going to make a difference. If you do that every day, it will, you just count on it. It will pay off. Thanks, Matt. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's awesome. Well, 
I definitely appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story and your insights, Matt. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Chris, for having me. I, I appreciate you guys and I love what you're doing. All right. Appreciate it. And I uh, really encourage everybody listening, check out mattblag.com and keep up with what all he's got going on. And uh, he's got a uh, teaching spirit, teaching heart too. So if you have a question, reach out to him. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm glad to help. All right. Well, enjoyed it, guys. Till we talk soon. Have a good day. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.